0: This is Matthew Elshiller of Homes, and you're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show
1: starts in 3, 2, 1.
2: Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere
3: in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. After 20 years, still Chicago's only deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Saturday morning on 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk.
0: Good planets are hard to find, temperate zones and tropic climes, true currents and thriving seas, wind blowing through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine,
2: will. Good planets are hard to find. Good, good planets planet. are in the
3: main.
1: Clean beaches and. Spotless. They're not Robin and Marion. They're not planet even Robin and, and Batman. But they are a dynamic duo. Street, Here they are Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak.
3: High forests, the wetlands, will. Good planets are in the main
2: Right. Right. Good
3: morning. Good morning. And uh, welcome to the Mike Novak Show. It's beautiful in Chicago, not so much elsewhere in the country. Well, some places. <laughs> However, you know, we've got hurricanes in Florida and wildflowers in the uh, west. Wildflowers? Uh, uh, wild, yeah. Somebody else said that the other day. <laughs> Wildfires uh, out, out west. Uh, and we got wildflowers out there, except they're all burning up. And uh, today uh, in the studio, uh, we've also got uh, Gary Oppenheimer, Executive Director of AmpleHarvest.org. And we're going to be talking about Food Waste Weekend. Uh, So if you're one of those folks that uh, it's September, it's harvest time, and you've got all this stuff, and uh, you don't know what to do with from your garden, the zucchinis the size of baseball bats. Actually, uh, I... We're finally getting our first zucchinis in, which is because the plants got in really late, Mm -hmm. and now, finally, I'm going to get zucchini, um, and I'll have, like, two for the the year, but that's okay because we got 30 or 40 cucumbers we don't know what to do with right now, so I think I know what to do with them now. (laughs) Yes, you do. Uh, That's right, and that is Gary Oppenheimer. He will be with us uh, in just a second. I uh, want to let folks know that, obviously, we'll be talking to Rick DeMaio, and he'll give us some an update at the end of the hour on uh, Hurricane Irma. And I'm hoping I can talk him into coming back tomorrow for a, a short report on the Sunday version of the Mike Novak Show.
2: He's been a very popular guy this he week. He has.
3: I guess he was doing uh, other radio mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, and I don't begrudge him that at all because everybody wants a good meteorologist and— uh, yes so he's all over the place and they they bring him in and you know you'd, you'd think somebody would hire him on a on a full-time basis <laughs> but uh nobody's got any money he's, in he's radio a free that's agent a, out that's, there. that's the way that works uh but tomorrow uh we're very excited well you know we'll be talking about the after effects of hurricanes and catastrophic events and one of the things that folks have to deal with after events is what do you do with all the damaged stuff? And that's something we've been talking about on this show mm-hmm. for several weeks because Peggy and I were just ruminating about, well, what happens to it?
2: Just piles and piles yeah, and piles of you things.
3: Mixed with uh,
2: mixed. So with we managed to degree. find some
3: folks tomorrow who are going to tell us what happens to the mm-hmm. piles and piles and piles of stuff. And. Uh, One of them is Stephen Bantillo from the National Recycling Coalition. And and tomorrow is kind of a recycling extravaganza show. Lots of recycling stuff. And I'll tell you why in a second. Uh, Stephen Bantillo, National Recycling Coalition, and Bill Turley of the Construction and Demolition Recycling Association. And the news is not necessarily good because one of the things happening in Texas in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey is that apparently... The state government, in his infinite wisdom, has said, "Hey, go ahead and burn stuff. Well, what could possibly go wrong? you know when you 're burning a couch that's been treated with fire retardant and you know what you do when you burn a couch treated with fire retardant, you douse it with as much flame mm-hmm. uh, producer of uh, liquid whatever gasoline or lighter fluid that you you can to get it to go up and then that flame retardant goes into the air. It just sounds like the dumbest thing yeah. ever. And, and yet, and yet, the state of Texas apparently, and we'll find out more tomorrow, we'll find out more because apparently the state of Texas says it's okay to burn well, stuff.
2: And our, our guest last Sunday, Ken, had said uh, FEMO relaxes a lot of its rules.
3: Yeah. Isn't that something? Uh, and uh, in, that's in the second part of the show tomorrow. The first part of the show, more about recycling, but a different area of it, uh, B.K. Sharma from the Illinois Sustainable Technology Center at the University of Illinois, uh, is going to be part of a conference that's going on there this Tuesday, which I'm part of. And um, he's going to be talking about how you take plastics and you turn them back into oil. Because, of course, we start with oil, we create plastics, and there's a process called pyrolysis or pyrolysis. I have no idea exactly. I should look it up. But everybody probably says it differently anyway. And this is how you take plastics and you turn them back into usable petroleum products. and I think' mm-hmm. we're, that's that might be the future. Of what we do yeah. with plastics, in, especially for in the industrial world. applications, yeah, yeah. So they're here tomorrow, and I think we have a couple of events that mm-hmm. uh, we're going to briefly do. We've we're going gonna...
2: Steve Hoffner from Evanston Streets Alive. That's which right, is happening tomorrow. Streets
3: Alive is tomorrow, and we've pr- pr- been promoting that for a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those of you in near the Evanston area should come up and see Streets Alive.
2: Yep, starts at 1 o'clock tomorrow.
3: Um, and, and we'll uh, be
2: talking a couple of butterfly events coming up and a couple of farm strolls coming up.
3: So there you go. Lots going on tomorrow. But today, Gary Oppenheimer, org. if you've got a question or a comment about how to get rid of your zucchini, 847 475 1590. This is the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we will be right back.
2: Now's the time to get on board with one of McHenry County's premier sustainability and healthy living events. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place November 4th, but registration for vendor and artist space is open now. McHenry County College is celebrating its 50th anniversary, and this year's Green Living Expo is going to be bigger than ever. They've added an artist walk where visitors can shop and chat with local sustainable artists. And if you offer eco-friendly holiday gifts, you'll get a head start on season. Mike and I were there last year, and the Expo is a great way to interact with McHenry County's green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815 479-7765 Four seven nine seven seven six five, or email sustainability at
3: Streets Alive, Evanston's free annual Open Streets event, is coming to Main Street in Evanston on September 10th from 1 to 5 p.m. Streets Alive features a climbing wall, yoga, karate demos, music, interactive art, delicious food, and more. It also includes the Evanston Green Living Festival for folks looking for products, services, and ideas that promote sustainable lifestyles. For details, visit
0: EvanstonStreetsAlive.org. I'm meteorologist Rick Demile. Listen to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, Saturday, 10 to 11, Sunday, 9 to 11, and listen for my weekly updates on both weather and climate on how the environment is changing and whether or not you're going to have tomatoes coming up in the month of July. Again, each weekend, Saturday and Sunday, 10 to 11 on Saturday, 9 to 11 on Sunday on WCGO 1590 AM Chicago's Smart Talk. Find out what's going on in Evanston. Tune in to Haggerty's Huddle every other Monday on French and Friends, brought to you by Chicago Lee Magazine, Name the city's top magazine. Don't just read more, read better.
1: We're sailing in a strange boat, heading for a strange shore. We're sailing in a strange boat.
3: In a strange way, this is appropriate. For uh, the state of Florida. Yeah. Except don't get in the boat now. Now's not a good time to get in the boat. now's the time to. It was
2: like yesterday I was listening to Van Morrison, Into the Mystic, and I'm thinking, yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> same, same. Strange, strange times.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are in strange times indeed. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, Saturday version. Gary Oppenheimer is in the studio with us. And I want to thank you for. You claim it was uh, United that uh, rearranged your schedule. Well, but it was I a gentleman
1: it, named Steve in customer service who bent over backwards to allow <laughs> really? that to happen. So shout out to United. Thank you, Steve. Steve. Thank you. All right.
3: Good. Because uh, we found out Gary was coming into town. We said, hey, you got to come on the show. And he said, uh, well, yeah, I landed, what, what was it, 1130 or something? And we said, no, that's not going to work. Uh, and then you guys rearranged, and we really appreciate that. Yeah, and he got Thank to you, enjoy United.
2: a nice breakfast this morning. Yes.
3: Excellent food. What, where? Who had the breakfast?
2: W- they went to um, Who's Your Mama yeah. over in Evanston on Chicago Avenue.
3: And you, you didn't bring anything back
1: for us. I've had three hours of sleep. I had to get to <laughs> leave for LaGuardia at at three no, this no, morning.
3: See, so. I'm not going to bust you. I'm going to bust Jamie, who's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's in, who's lurking in the in, corner. In the corner, who we know from uh, her days at uh, FamilyFarm.org. Um, and and by the way, you've you've got a winner there. Uh, which, we,
1: we know that. Okay. We know that. She's joined AmpleHarvest.org recently, and she's phenomenal. Thank uh, you.
3: So Jamie McCarthy, <laughs> who uh, – uh, are you still based in Chicago, Jamie? Okay, she, so she is. So you didn't even have to move. I mean, how how great is that? Uh, but uh, AmpleHarvest.org is, is doing yeoman's work, is doing stuff that we need because um, – all right, this is from a report that the NRDC did, and you guys helped because you, you did research also uh, through ampleharvest.org. Uh, there are various reports are out, and the reports, if you read them, your jaw drops. You, uh, all you can think of is how, how, how have we allowed this to happen in the United States? Which is It's the-
1: actually a global problem, although they focus on the U.S. Mm-hmm. Food waste is global.
3: It doesn't surprise me that, that food waste is global. Uh, and NRDC writes in uh, the, the report is called Wasted, how America is losing up to 40% of its food from farm to fork to landfill. And, and all you got to do is read the executive summary mm-hmm. where it says America does not eat 40% of its food. If the United States went grocery shopping, we would leave the store with five bags and drop two in the parking lot and leave them there. Seems crazy, but we do it every day. All told, America throws out more than 1,250 calories per day per person or more than 400 pounds of food per person annually. That's a loss of up to $218 billion each year, costing a household of four an average of $1,800 annually. At the same time, 42 million Americans face food insecurity. And less than one-third of the food we throw out would be enough to feed this population completely. Can I say that again? Less than one-third of the food we throw away would feed the people who need food. Amazing. To place this in a global context, the average American consumer wastes ten times as much as his or her counterpart in Southeast Asia or Sub-Saharan Africa. So you say it's worldwide, but... We're more efficient at wasting food, right?
1: We're experts at it. As a matter yeah. of fact, what you missed in there is, and is that it's forty percent of the food isn't consumed, but fifty percent of produce is not consumed mm-hmm. in America, which, by extension, means we throw away twelve and a half percent of California's water, because we're the biggest producer of the produce. And up until this recent report from the NRDC, home and community garden produce was not included, and there's another eleven billion pound loss of food. Per year, That could feed 28 million people Mm -hmm. per year for free. And that's what ampleharvest.org is all about.
3: And that gets to the heart of the problem, which is folks who say, well, I don't know what to do. This is a global problem, and food waste is a global problem. How can I possibly have an effect on this? And you're saying, well, here's how.
1: Absolutely. 42 million people in this country are home and community gardeners. That's 35% of households many if not most of us grow more than we can use or the food all comes at the same time and there's only so many cucumbers right. as in your case that you yeah. can actually use <laughs> yeah. and what uh, would you
3: pickling like crazy right now because <laughs> i love pickles there
1: was a point where my wife said you're not bringing any more of that stuff in the house and <laughs> i had to find a battered woman's shelter but that's the heart of the problem is that we've been told historically in america that food drives don't accept fresh food that old mantra of jars cans yeah. boxes no fresh food so we never even and i'm a gardener. We never even think about donating that food. Yeah, and we
3: got off to the wrong foot, uh, on the wrong foot. Misinformation.
1: Yeah. yeah. Or Not,
2: misinformed food pantries.
1: Yeah, well, both, actually. We've been misinformed, and the pantries didn't mm-hmm. know the food was out there. So AmpleHarvest.org was founded in 2009 to simply correct that misinformation for the gardeners to say, yes, you can donate food, and to act as a Google-like search engine to help them donate the food to a food pantry in their neighborhood. And every food pantry on Ample Harvest.org signed themselves up to say, we want the food from our mm-hmm. from our community. The result is that today we are at nearly 8,100 food pantries in all 50 states that are eager and ready and dis- to, to accept the food so that they can offer their food insecure clients something other than just processed food that they have up until now. Mm-hmm. And then once that connection is made between the gardener and the community and the food pantry, that gardener will donate food for the rest of their gardening life whenever they have an excess. So this is a lifetime uh, transition of behavior and a lifetime solution. It also means that once the gardener knows that she can donate, and the majority of gardeners statistically are women, that they can donate right, the food. Now I'm
3: insulted. Okay, now <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a
1: gardener too, and despite the ponytail <laughs> – um, but that the major that once the gardener no knows- the ponytail
3: makes you a gardener that's 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 that that is the sign that you are a gardener <laughs> it's like w- wearing a badge you know it-
1: I wish I had known that years <laughs> ago when I grew it when my wife and daughter had some comments on the ponytail uh, but once you know you wear that you know that- if
3: you got the hair at a certain age use it flaunt it, is what I'm with I you said. on that <laughs> I'm with you on
1: that but once you know where the- where food pantries and they want the food you tend to tell your neighbors which means that each gardener now becomes themselves spreading that information. So it just took off like wildfire, and uh, it continues to grow and it's and, and, and
3: as you just mentioned, it started, uh, be, honestly enough, with you being a community gardener yourself.
1: A community gardener director, yeah.
3: Director, yeah.
1: And people were complaining. Well, that's,
3: well so you don't garden? Come on. You're I like have my own you, garden,
1: <laughs> and they dragged me into a community garden. What happened is people said we have too much food. They're getting frustrated by seeing the waste at the end of the season. People are bored on vacation. And my comment, these were the existing gardens, I said, if we're going to have an ample harvest, the least we can do is donate it to people who really need it. And mm-hmm. I had never in my life said that phrase, ample harvest, before I just pulled out of my mouth. I have evangelical friends who think I'm doing the Lord's work. That makes them happy, but um, th- this is that's the start of it. I registered I, I the suspect,
3: domain. I'm, I'm sensing a secular connection here between you and me. Yes. Okay, but— that's not to say because one of the, the, the reasons, well, one of the things you're doing with this is drawing in faith-based mm-hmm. communities to, to be part of this. And I, I've said that in garden talks for years, uh, especially uh, uh, garden clubs. I've gone to garden clubs now for a decade and said, you know, the, the model is changing. Used to be you come into a garden club and what does what a nice rose look like? Oh, we've got a perfect hosta leaf here. And I said— that's that's in the past. you got to move forward. Now you got to grow stuff. And not only do you have uh, food, you get, not only do you have to grow food, you have to teach the next generation how to grow food. You Your mission has to change because we can't afford to have garden clubs out there that are all about the best looking rows. It's it's nice. And you can still do that on the side, but you got to do the other thing, too.
1: Ninety-five percent of gardeners grow food. Only five percent stick just to ornamentals, from what we saw in the study.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So
1: the majority are 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 growing the food, and they hate the waste. That's the cool yeah. thing about ample harvest. We don't have to convince a gardener to donate. We have to enable them. They have hated the waste all along. Mm-hmm. This is the low-hanging fruit in the food waste problem in America.
3: Yeah, and as we mentioned, we alluded to uh, just a second ago the faith faith-based, faith-based community. Um, one of the great things about uh, churches is that, look at what they have. They usually have a congregation ready to go and, and do something. They usually have the land, and it's usually lawn. You know, it's one of the things I've learned from K.A.M. Isaiah Israel on the south side of Chicago is that their whole idea is is to go to these churches and say, hey, take a thousand square feet and turn it into a, a, a mm-hmm. produce garden.
1: They have a great garden. I was there a few years ago. Yeah,
3: they're wonderful. Uh and so a lot of these churches have that land. A lot of these churches have kitchens that are underused and sometimes were built 40, 50, 60 years ago and are not used at all. Mm-hmm. So you have these resources. And this is yeah. one of the reasons you go to the faith-based community, so you can in, uh, bring those people and those facilities
1: into play. It's funny you should mention it because this is Food Waste Weekend, which is an education <laughs> program of ample That's harvest. exactly why or. I mentioned it. I right, Thank you. <laughs> Uh, nice food- little
2: segue there.
1: Perfect. It's foodwasteweekend.org, and the goal was to create a program, in an interfaith program, in which Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, and Unitarian clergy could, number one, learn themselves about food waste. They could do as deep or shallow a dive into the issues they want. Number two, get a faith-specific sermon, calls to action, and even a game show for the religious school, mm-hmm. and then preferably on this weekend or at a later date if they want to – Talk to their congregations about food waste in their lives and everything else, what their faith says about it, things they should do about trying to change the topic in the faith community from feed the hungry to let's end hunger. It's a transition, and you end hunger by reducing food waste.
3: uh, Yeah, it's kind of subtle. I mean, it's for most people.
1: it's a, Food waste is a root cause of a whole bunch of problems. The, the obvious one is hunger, but there's also diet-related diseases, environmental, etc. Mm-hmm. You change this one issue, and you have an exhaust that comes out of it in the form of multiple other benefits that come out. So as far as we knew, we did the pilot. Can you of, talk about some
3: of those benefits that, that, that come out of that? Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, from a health perspective, right off the bat, if you're on a staple of only processed food, the uh, typically the canned fruit you gets packed with uh, sugar. And salt. Well, and salt, so, but the sugar in particular is a major contributor to the uh, uh, huge diabetes problem we're having in the country right now. I was at a talk at the White House a few years ago with, with the First Lady Michelle Obama, and she said that right now one out of every three children. Uh, uh, one out of every three children, and soon two out of every three children growing up today will be diabetic. Mm. Vegetables packaged in salt—a huge problem for hypertension. So you have all these health consequences. The um, we spend a trillion dollars a year on diet-related medical issues. Cut, change the food. Use the healthy food we have. That's the big thing. This is the food in the community, ready to be donated. It's the healthy stuff. Get it in, and, and, and your health improves. Environmentally, if you throw your excess food in the trash, you're creating climate mm-hmm. change, gas emissions, right. or increasing the waste fill. There are many, many different implications to simply using what we already have. So we took a, a secular sermon that we had put together, a non-sectarian sermon about food waste. It was faithy-sounding, mm-hmm. but faith-agnostic. Um, and then we went to a partner organization who translated it into Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, Unitarian, Old Testament, New Testament, Quranic perspectives— and they're all up there. So as far as we know, this is the first time that clergy of different faiths are all giving essentially the same sermons, but from their own faith perspective, and all focused on, mm-hmm. on, on food waste. We did the pilot last year. It went very well. Uh, this weekend, it's now going out on a actually global basis. We thought it was going to be just for the states. Mm-hmm. went out globally. And it looks like we'll be excuse <coughs> me doing it in, in the future. We yeah. want people in the pews. We want the clergy to understand that there is something they can do for their community and their country, and it's as simple as reaching into your backyard uh, or, or in your kitchen and just using the food we already have. It's a very are, simple idea. Are you
2: able to track off the website which communities and which areas of the country seem to be getting involved more?
1: No. Uh, we can track the visits to the site. We invite people to sign up. We found a lot of people download the stuff and use it but mm-hmm. don't want to register. And I get that they don't want spam mail, even though we promised not to spam them. Mm-hmm. But the, we saw a surge of traffic. I can tell you that in the month of June, Food Waste Weekend hit 8,000 hits. This past Tuesday, 80,000 hits. Wow. It just spiked because it was coming right up to um, uh, Food Waste Weekend.
3: Okay. I thought maybe there was some... Event that had happened, or it had something to do with um, what's going on in Texas, or whatever. But no, I don't. Just, you just think there's yeah. a cumulative,
1: yeah. And effect. there's been a couple of really good articles yeah. out yeah. about good it. Good articles. And I think um, um, while some clergy will prepare their sermons weeks or months in advance, some clergy say I prepared five minutes in advance. So when they're looking, <laughs> we, we
2: have no idea what you're talking about. That's right.
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, some of them are saying, What am I going to talk about this Sunday or Saturday or Friday? And they heard about this. They finally download the sermon, change, mm-hmm. make it their own, rewrite it, and give the sermon.
2: Yeah. How about, right. how about Sunday schools? Are you providing? We
1: have actually a game show that's also oh, cool. on foodwasteweekend.org, specifically so that for the religious school, so that the kids can be brought into the discussion of food waste. Mm-hmm. So, uh, everything that's needed for the congregants. For the kids, for the clergy, it's all packaged at foodwasteweekend.org. And we actually, uh, as I said, we've had it up since last year. We're going to be improving it some, but it's meeting a need that has never been met. In the same way ampleharvest.org actually met met a need that was never met before.
3: And I assume that if folks want to get involved in Food Waste Weekend, they go to ampleharvest.org and see how locally they can get involved.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the easiest thing to do in general in supporting ampleharvest.org is visit ampleharvest.org slash local. And we actually have a series of steps, four steps you can go through to cement that program in your own uh, community.
3: All right. That is Gary Oppenheimer with ampleharvest.org. We're going to come back, and uh, I'm going to lead you down a rabbit hole. I've got a couple of questions that uh, might be a little little controversial. Uh, 847-475-1590, if you want to join the conversation, we'd love to have you do that. And we are live on Facebook if you're watching. Hey, did I mention it's September, and you think that the gardening season is over? Ha! I say again. Ha! 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 You might be gardening up to Christmas, or it might all come crashing down in a couple of weeks, which is why you need a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. With their What to Do in the Garden column, they have all the seasonal advice you need at exactly the right time at your fingertips. Speaking of fingertips, mine are calloused from writing my monthly column on the inside back page of every issue. You'd think they'd give me a band-aid or something. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to ChicagolandGardening.com or call 888- We'll be right back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki.
2: Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Chicagoans are looking for ways to get healthier in 2017. Hi, I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach this growing wellness market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 monthly readers. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. That's 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com natural awakenings feel good live simply laugh more what is this place
0: you're in uncharted territory what do you mean where are we i don't know if you've
2: heard this i don't know what it is
0: tell us
3: your name please 1590
1: wcgo chicago i don't remember where we wild and young All oh, that's faded in the I feel like somebody You know, Facebook is going to jump on us with this one. Oh, boy.
3: I know it. We'll see what happens. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And uh, in the studio, we have Gary Oppenheimer, uh, who is the founder and executive director of AmpleHarvest.org. And uh, their mission right now is to get folks in their backyards. That means you. That means you. If you're growing this stuff uh to take the excess and get it to people who need it it's that simple and they have mm-hmm. a, a a method of doing that you can go to their website ampleharvest.org and you can type in your your zip code and it directs you to the pantries i did that last night just to see it was in my neighborhood and
1: uh how many did you find i want to say a dozen yeah yeah, yeah.
2: and so, and if you're a pantry you can also Go and sign up.
1: You absolutely should be signing up. There's no reason for a food pantry or soup kitchen in America not to be on ampleharvest.org. We tell them four things. It's free. You don't need refrigeration. You don't need storage. And it's free. We repeat the free part twice. And did we say it's free? Yeah. Oh, I forgot (laughs) the third time. Very good. There you go.
3: Uh, The rabbit hole I wanted to take you down was the idea of conventional farming in America, which... We there's the argument that, okay, the the argument I won't take you into is whether it can be done with uh, with a synthetic uh, fertilizer and pesticides and that sort of thing, because that's another conversation altogether. Uh, But we produce all this food and it's obviously not getting to the right places. Can we back off on that or is that the wrong question?
1: Now, I think the food we're making, we should be using and not wasting. Um, I think we should also be looking to transition some of the food that we get to all of us, those those of us who can afford to buy food and those who need a food pantry, to transition to some healthier foods. Um, you know, ha- having Cheetos for breakfast is not an acceptable breakfast on <laughs> any level. No, no. No, no insult to whoever manufactures Cheetos. Well, oh, I, uh, I don't
3: mind insulting them. I really don't. Okay. I just, uh, you know, but, but I'm the radio okay, guy. Okay, so there's I,
1: one Grant that went up in smoke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, at
3: least for my radio show. Let me put it that right. way. So.
1: Now, look, the, the let me say this. Um, the, the food that we're, we're – nobody – I said this a moment ago. Nobody grows cornflakes or bread in their backyard. So the food that's manufactured that goes into the system – that comes to people. Supermarkets and food pantries needs to be there. We shouldn't be wasting that food. That's the critical thing. Yeah. Going into a dumpster behind a supermarket and finding perfectly wholesome food is criminal. Mm-hmm. Going to an apple orchard where you've gone apple picking, but all the apples on the ground are left to rot, that's criminal, yeah. and that's unnecessary.
2: Yeah, or, or crops that just aren't even harvested because they are bruised or they have insect absolutely, bites. Absolutely,
1: or- absolutely. I think home and community gardeners clearly recognize that all the love the TLC that they've put into growing food, they don't want to see that food wasted. If they can't use it or preserve it with share it with friends, they want to donate it. Our data, we did a two-year study with 2,500 gardeners across the country, and we asked a bunch of very important questions that were never asked before. Would you donate food if you know you could? Would you grow more food if you knew you could donate it? Uh, more than four to five said that yes. If they knew they could donate the food, they would donate the food. And more than half said that they would deliberately grow more just to donate. The first question was about alleviating food waste. The second was an outright act of charity for alleviating hunger. The 42 million gardeners in this country are eager to step up and help their community and, by extension, their country with the fruits of their labor, if you will, from their backyard. And for many who themselves can't afford to write a check to a charity, they can reach into their backyard instead of their back pocket to help their neighbors in need.
3: Mm-hmm. And that's why you're in Chicago
1: this yes, weekend
3: for yes. uh, Food Waste Weekend. Yes. You're doing a talk uh, right after this show.
1: I'm, tomorrow I'm going to be at Chicago Theological, a program. Oh, that's, is that tomorrow? Tomorrow, yeah. Okay, sorry. I've got the day open. I'm going to just explore this lovely city. Oh, good for you, and you've got a good day to do I've it, I've got too. a great day mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tell me
3: about your talk tomorrow.
1: Uh, well, actually, this is a program being organized by um, Muslims Against Hunger, and they're going to be making sandwiches and, and stuff. They're going to be doing two Um, shifts of that. I'm going to be talking to each of the shifts. Mm -hmm. I've never done two talks back-to-back, and I have to remember what I said the second time from what I said the first. But uh, the goal is uh, to—it's an interfaith effort that they're running, and I was brought in by a a friend of mine named Zamir, who runs it, and uh, he asked me to come out as a favor to him, and I was delighted to. So uh, being at at a religious institution on Food Waste Weekend seemed like the perfect place for me to be.
3: If you don't have anything, I got another one. Oh, uh, I,
1: go go. go. Ahead. No.
3: Well, I
2: was actually going to pursue that going back to what we were talking about before. Go ahead, then I'll save of, mine for sure. You second. know how how home gardeners are taking pride in what they grow. You don't want to waste that zucchini, that tomato. You want someone to eat it. Uh, community gardens are gleaning and 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 distributing. But what about commercial? Where it just sits there. How do you change that paradigm that that food grown in commercial fields is getting donated?
1: If somebody gives us the money, we have a program already rolled called GleaningHarvest.org. That is AmpleHarvest.org on steroids and addresses the agricultural industry and connections with gleaning organizations. There are gleaning organizations across the country, Society of St. Andrews being probably the best known and biggest. But otherwise, it's just very spotty across the country Mm -hmm. of organizations that will go to a farm with three critical things, volunteers, equipment, and most importantly, insurance. (laughs) <laughs> and ha- it's very yes. important. Oh, yeah. of course Because otherwise a farmer yeah. should never let them on the property. Right. Harvest the food that was not harvested or wasn't suitable for the market and get it into a food bank or, or something like that. Um, I mean, even when a farmer is harvesting everything, not everything is harvested. So like 12 percent of the potatoes mm-hmm. are left in the ground. The machinery misses it. You can have people going in and get those remaining potatoes. Ditto for a whole lot of other stuff uh in many cases the the uh organizations say we only want the perfect carrot it has to be 6 inches long and perfectly oh, straight so if it if if it's what's now cutely called ugly food <laughs> which is a um a wonderful expression for the food that is wholesome tasty mm-hmm. and wonderful to eat and trending on facebook yes and just not picture perfect um, that gets left behind, but there's no reason for right, that. Um, exactly. So getting those so that's a program Ample Harvest would like to build if somebody uh, can help us with, with, with underwriting that. Because the opportunity there is staggeringly huge. If you think about all the farms in the country mm-hmm. and all the different crops and products that they that they have. We remain focused today on just a home and community gardener. And by the way, that's backyard, rooftop, container, community, any place where sure. you or I as an individual are planting something and growing um, and and, 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 I, and I will
3: say a lot of folks have already figured it out. I uh, uh, Peggy and I have been involved in this Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards presentation. We created an awards program, and we're going to have a uh, an award ceremony uh, two weeks from tomorrow 24th. on the 24th of September. And one of them was a rooftop garden, and uh, I they were growing all kinds of vegetables. And I say, uh, what happens to all of them? They said, well, a lot of them get canned, a lot of them get donated. And there you go. Cause there, so there are already people who are thinking in that way, just yes. not enough. Uh, but the question I want to ask you is, where does composting come into this? Because one of the things you can do, obviously, with too many vegetables, at least turn it into decent soil if you can't get the food to people. do you, do you Is that part of your equation at all?
1: No. it's not, and, and there's nothing wrong with composting except that it is an admission of failure. And therefore, at that point, it is a... Um, the least—it's it, it, not as bad as total waste of the food. Okay. I mean, the ideal is all the food that is grown or, or produced should be consumed by people. Mm-hmm. If people cannot consume it for some reason, whatever it is, the next step down according to the USDA hierarchy, feed it to animals. Then you that's go to true. composting. That's true. I've seen that food chart. That right. Yeah, that's then you, g- then you go to composting. But the fact that if you've gone to feeding animals or composting, it means that this is food that could have gone to people— but didn't get to people. So in my opinion, by default, it is food. You're, you're dealing with a consequence of food waste, and you're trying to make the best of something that was unfortunate. Yeah. The ideal is that people should have been consuming the nutrition and consuming the food. And or,
3: the, or the animals consuming it and creating the uh, manure that you can use rather than the yes, compost.
1: It's a next step, but I don't think yeah. anybody deliberately puts seeds in the ground for, in their garden with the hope that a cow is going to be happy. You know, I don't think that's their no. their their initial intent. Their intent is I'm going to eat it. or Wait, my well, friends. well, unless
3: it's corn feed.
2: Yeah, unless you're in that industry. Oh yeah. God, let me tell you, <laughs> I once
1: planted feed corn instead of sweet corn, and I learned the hard <laughs> way the difference. Oh my goodness! Uh-oh. I never knew of the difference until I discovered that my corn was tasteless, <laughs> and I now I know
3: better. And it's and and the irony, of course, is it's not even good for cows. All right, they should they should not be eating that. Yeah. I and mean, studies have shown part of the reason they're pumping them with antibiotics is because their stomachs can't really handle the corn. So we, we've gone down so many cul-de-sacs. Well, their... I will
1: tell you a very short story if we have the time. Sure. I mm-hmm. had sure. met with um, some farmers in Pennsylvania Dutch country a couple of years ago, and that's the year that I had the mistake with the feed corn. And the farmer was telling me when they plant—this is a great story—when they plant feed corn, the entire field is feed corn except for the outer three feet. The per- three-foot perimeter around the garden is sweet corn. When they harvest the corn for selling, you know, for, for, for the uh, cow feed, they chop up the plant, the stalks, the, the whole plant becomes feed. So what they do is when they're ready to harvest, they put the word out to the community, and the entire community can come, and as far as their arms can reach in to the field, they can harvest. He's, don't, he's giving that corn to them to take home to eat. That's the sweet corn. Okay. The bulk of the crop is still left for feed. When they're done uh, harvesting that perimeter, he then goes through with the machine and harvests everything. It's costing almost nothing. It's a wonderful way of sharing the bounty of the farm with the community. So they get, they get the sweet mm-hmm. corn on the perimeter, and then the rest goes to cattle. It's a lovely wow. story.
3: That is a great story. You know, and I'm thinking about the food waste and that sort of thing. You're probably the last person anybody wants to invite to a party, right? Because you're going to be...
1: <laughs> that explains <laughs> or, or, <laughs> my empty social calendar. <laughs> I,
3: I think so. Or, or, or a conference. Because I'll tell you, for for two decades, uh, I go to conferences, and what do I look at? Is the food being, the leftovers being composted? Uh, is the, Are the utensils being recycled? And you focus on that, and you realize... Ultimately, a lot of the same old, same old continues to happen, and that—that is really hard to change.
1: I have friends who look at me with guilty eyes, saying, "You have guilted me into not wasting food." So even on a personal level, it's working. Um, I'll tell you, when I do go to those conferences, and I was—I was just speaking in Los Angeles this past uh, Tuesday, and but at others I've gone to where they will bring in boxed lunches, and invariably mm-hmm. there are a bunch left over. Yeah. I want to make sure they get donated. I had spoken, actually, at Temple University in Philadelphia a while back. Fifty lunches were left over, and they had no plans for that. So AmpleHarvest.org's own staff found a a YMCA soup kitchen that was about half a mile away. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the conference, I put all of those lunches in my car, and I drove it to the YMCA soup kitchen, and that food was consumed. Uh, But this is something anybody could be doing. This is not magic that— it's called Ondeing. thinking
3: outside of the lunchbox. Thank you very much.
1: Or not even, or not yes. even seeing a box. Yeah, exactly. Right.
3: Uh, we're out of time, Gary. Thank you so much for being here. It was such a pleasure. Thank meeting you. It's a I'm delight to be here. Thank you, Gary. Go thank to, you,
1: Chicago. And great go to weather.
3: Ampleharvest.org. If you're growing food, if you got excess, please, 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 see that it gets to somebody who will actually eat it. How's that for a, a change in uh, paradigm? Uh, ampleharvest.org. Rick DeMaio with Hurricane News right after this. The Scarce Green Fair is back, and the Mike Novak Show is part of it. We'll be broadcasting from the DuPage County Fairgrounds on Saturday, September 30th at 10 a.m. This year, the Green Fair features a free recycling extravaganza, eco-lifestyle workshops, goats, chickens, beekeeping demos, STEM activities for kids, a farmer's market, food vendors, and more. Peggy and I love Scarce, so come out and be part of the fun. Go to Scarce.org for details, and we'll see you there. Are you ready to make a positive change in the world around you? One that is easy and creates beauty? Make the switch to native plants, natural communities' native plants. Enjoy the elegance of nature, the birds, the pollinators, and yes, even monarch butterflies, without the excessive maintenance and without pesticides. Natives create food for our pollinators and birds, offset climate change, cleanse water, reduce floodwaters, and they look great. Natural Communities has more than 200 species of affordable woodland, wetland, and prairie plants, as well as shrubs, trees, and seeds native to the Midwest. And now is the time to get those plants established in your yard for a head start next year. Go to naturalcommunities.net. And if you use the magic word NOVAK, N-O-W-A-K, at checkout, you'll get 10% off your purchase until October 1st. Don't just get back to nature. Create it in your own backyard. Go to naturalcommunities.net.
0: That sound you hear is my time machine letting me know it's time to return to our own world. This is your talk. WCGO. Hang on.
3: Welcome back to the Mike Novak show. And some people in Florida are shaking.
0: Talk talk,
3: yeah. And it's not because of a hundred and sixty mile an hour winds. Uh, Gary Oppenheimer is still in the studio here. He wanted to mention something because we were going to be talking to Rick DeMille real quick uh, about uh, hurricanes and such. And what was that, uh, Gary?
1: Um we put up a program. We did this in the past during the BP oil spill and other catastrophes, and we've just done it for Harvey. We'll probably have to do it for the hurricanes affecting Florida, and that is that um, if you go to today to ampleharvest.org Harvey— you will find a list of food pantries that we know to be open or soon to be open in the Houston area so that gardeners in that greater region, when FEMA and Red Cross go home or probably end up going to Florida, that they'll be able to step in with the bounty from their gardens to help fulfill the needs of the food pantries who themselves are going to be overwhelmed for some time to come. It looks like we're going to be doing the same thing in Mm. Florida after Florida starts the drying out process. So today, if you have friends in Texas or in that area... Send them to ampleharvest.org slash Harvey, and they will be able to step in, find a food pantry someplace in the Houston area that's open and they can take food to.
3: Yeah. So, again, go to ampleharvest.org slash Harvey. If, uh, you know, people live in the area and they've got extra food, they can donate to pantries. I mean, this is a great idea. And I got a feeling there's going to be a slash Irma uh, up there within the week. Uh, so We'll and, build and,
1: as many pages as we need to, unfortunately, but yeah.
3: Yeah, okay. Speaking of that, uh, meteorologist Rick DeMaio is here this morning. Rick, uh, you uh, you had a busy day yesterday, didn't you?
0: Hey, uh, keeping students updated, keeping uh, family updated. My parents are in north-central Florida, and um, uh, they've decided to stay and have a hurricane party.
3: Oh, boy. That's got to make you a little nervous, doesn't it?
0: Um. Yeah, I mean... Um, they're in a pretty strong, uh, you know, strongly constructed house. It's kind of brick and stucco. Um, but uh, they were kind of nervous when Charlie came through. They had 75 mile per hour winds, uh, and yesterday it looked like they were going to kind of be in that window of, or at least the quadrant of the storm that was going to give them 90 mile per hour winds with gusts to 100. Uh, but the storm is, you know, weakening a little bit. It's pushed a little bit for the west. So they may be. More 75 to 80. Um, and yeah, it does make me a little bit concerned, but they seem to be pretty resilient and they're going to stick it out. I also have uh, a cousin down in uh, Cape Coral, which is right on the coast, another one uh, up around the Inverness area. And, um, you know, it, it's amazing, Mike and Peg, how much Facebook mm-hmm. is part of people's lives, um, even when you're 80 years old. Yeah. Um You you literally know how to access. I, I've been trying to send email updates to my parents, and it's always the computer is blocking this. I'm like, you guys got Facebook, right? My dad's like, yeah, I got it. And I put it on there, and boom, there it is. Huh. So <laughs> as, as as much as yeah, so as much as we you know talk about how you know kids are addicted to it and people are addicted to it, for for the for the elderly population, it's amazing how much information you can push through it and and actually better than what you get from even you know local tv uh and from you know the governor standing up there and constantly telling you what to do and you know we all know this more than anything it it's all about the waiting game it, there's so much anxiety built yeah. up ahead of the storm and then people equate that to hype it's yeah. really not hype we're just we're just trying to let people know you know what the latest is and uh it it's not an easy job trust me
3: well I, I know it's not and, and uh Rich Calgill earlier who's in Florida, he's on Mighty House and, and he does his part of the show from Florida. He's in what what Marco Island. He's, he's on Marco Island, right which now. is like right uh
0: it's, I, I hope he's not staying.
2: Yeah, he is. He is. He is. and he's all set actually for cleanup. He's got everything saws, everything all packed and ready for
0: cleanup. So is he on the 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 west side of Marco Island or the east do, side? I do not I don't know. know.
3: I don't know.
0: Ugh. I mean, he's right in the teeth of not only the yeah. winds but also the storm surge. Yeah, yeah. Um, he should not be there.
3: I'm well, serious. I mean, I'm, I'll write him. I mean, I'm. I'm sure he knows <laughs> that, but uh, I don't. I... I, I don't know what to tell you. You know this, Rick. That people get in their heads that they can ride it out, and you can't change them. They're like, ah, it's, it's a lot easier for me. Nope. Where's he going to go right now? Yeah, or anyway. they have
2: no place to go. My proofreader is in Astero, which is by Naples. And, you know, he says the shelters are full. I have no place to go.
0: Well, the best place to go because storm surge is now going to be the number one concern down there is to go inland. Right. Uh, the last thing you want to be doing is you, you can't ride out a storm when there's fifteen feet of water coming onto right. well, uh, your property.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm sure a lot of people are moving. They're just not getting in their cars and going north at this point. Here's the other. Right.
0: Yeah. 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 And, and here's here's the toughest part of being um, a state official. Um, it's easy to tell people to go. It's really hard to tell people to come back. If I was the governor of Florida right now, I would say for all of those people in Miami Beach and Fort Lauderdale, come on back. Come on down. <laughs> Seriously. Because this storm has moved so far to the west that even if they get 75-mile-per-hour wind, that's going to be about it. And Floridians are like, really? I left for this? It, it's, like, it's like telling Chicagoans to evacuate for an F1 tornado. We're like, yeah, we can handle that. And F5, five, oh, yeah, I'm leaving. So the fact that the storm has actually moved a little bit further west and it's become somewhat weakened by the coast of Cuba, it should reintensify. It's actually down now to a Category 3. It'll probably go back up to 4 later on tonight and into tomorrow. But if I'm a betting man, I would say Miami, 75-mile-per-hour winds, and that's it. I mean, they're actually out of the cone of the strongest hurricane force winds. This thing is going to have an eye of probably about you know, 25, 30 miles. Hurricane force winds probably extend outward about 60 miles. And last I checked, uh, the width of Florida at its most southern points about 90 miles. So you're actually talking about the part that was most most concerned about, southeast Florida, kind of being taken off the list of endangered species, so to say, but now it's become like and pig a storm surge event yeah. for Fort Myers, um Sanibel, Captiva and obviously up around the Tampa area, but even Tampa, um, that's a big bay, they can handle a lot of water. It's more or less your coastal areas so the Southwest, it's not plus going to be impacted. So
3: it's an, it's amazing how how the whole thing has changed from the very beginning where we thought it possibly could go out to the to sea and then it was a, the uh, east coast and then it was central Florida, now it's the west coast and it just shows you that there's yeah. no no way to, to measure exactly where these storms are going to be.
0: Well, you know, a part of that is got to be really careful as a meteorologist to sound so doggone confident five days out. You, you mm-hmm. can't do that. There's certain limitations that are built into the atmosphere. Um, and you say, look, this is why there's a cone. This is why you have a right side and a left side. Don't focus on that skinny line three or four days out. You only do that. But at the same time, Man, when you see cash 5 and you feel that damage and you're the governor of Florida, you go, "Okay, let's pull the trigger. Yeah. Let's go." It you you're really not in a good place any way you look at it. So, I have a lot of a lot of understanding that the public officials they have to do their job, but at the same time, man, no no matter how you slice it, every, someone's going to find something wrong with what you did.
3: Ah, uh, Well, we just got a, a well, it doesn't matter. Rick's not coming through on Facebook. Oh, well. Uh that's something on your end there, I think,
0: Brandon. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I send you guys a bunch of stuff on Facebook. You could take a look yeah, at it. Yeah, no, that
2: this is this is just your audio. Um, what about Jose? Where's that going? Um, Jose,
0: right now, Peg, it's amazing, and I, I mentioned this yesterday. It could actually be stronger um, when it hits the northern the north, the Lesser Antilles later on tonight than Irma will be. I mean, who would have thought that? Uh, but but Jose, talk about ocean heat content, Category Four, and could hit the Lesser Antilles later on tonight. With a hundred mile an hour wind, wow. that's the last thing those people need there.
3: All right is there any is there any chance that you could join us for a little segment tomorrow? Is that possible?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. On the phone, I'll be able to talk to you guys, but okay. not in not inside. Okay, we'll, we'll catch pages. up with you no, after. No, no,
3: Right, we'll, we'll give you a call. <laughs> All right, thanks, Rick. Good. Talk
0: to you guys. Okay, bye.
3: Bye. We didn't even get a forecast here. We don't need to know the forecast here. It's beautiful. It's and sunny. sunny. It's nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank Gary Oppenheimer for being here. Uh, join us tomorrow morning. Until then, go green or go home.
0: Stadler? Yeah, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.